Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. This year, you would have, I'm sure you all know, I've taken on the role of lead pastor of Elevation Church, and, and I'm just so grateful for leaders who believe and contend for the future, that they're not content to stay where we are, but that God has given them uh, a vision for the next, and so I want to honor them and encourage us to, to be a church who prays for our leaders before anything else who gets in their corner in the spirit and who intercedes for their family. Uh, and I believe that God has called them to something great and that they will pioneer some things. And so I, I would love it if we as a church can just come behind them, rally behind them and support them and pray for them. That would be amazing. But I uh, also want to honor Pastor Marty and Rachel for the great work you're doing here on the ground at Mandra. And uh, I've been able to chat to them the last few days and just hearing your heart for this city in this region is actually contagious. And, and I do believe that God has you here for such a time as this, uh, that he's not calling you to just repeat what the past has been, but to really hear something fresh and new and pioneer new ways. And so uh, I want to honor both of you for probably the prayers prayed no one's seen, for the hours sacrificed no one's ever known, uh, and for the sacrifices you've made that no one would even know in this room. But I want to honor you for that and for leading uh, and pioneer. Who loves the pastors, Marty and Rach? But again, I know we've done this before. I do want to take a time to just brag on uh, Chris and Jackie, who are two high-quality people. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I really was encouraged and blown away by how these two got so involved over the last three days. Uh, when I looked at it, I just want to let, let you all know, like, I, I can guarantee they do not see what they're doing as just a job, but it is an investment uh, and a deposit. And the way that you both got in, got involved, we did walk a long time on one day, and uh, even at the end, and even Pastor Marty and Rach, you need to know this, where they're setting up there at the end when everyone had left cleaning, but not once did I hear either Chris or Jackie complain, not once did I see them begrudge, but they were just joyful, uh, and they were just some very selfless people uh, who really believe in the next generation, so I want to honour you both both for what you're doing and building here. And, and like you said before, hey, no one else gets to say that they were pioneering the first youth camp for elevation in the WA in 2023. No one else will get to say that but you two uh, and your great team. So on well, Eve as well, you did a great job. You just had such a contagious joy that just emanated and radiated from you. And so uh, God has got uh, amazing things for you. And I really want to honor you for, for sacrificing a few days to actually serve and invest as well. And also being a leader here. Uh, what you're doing, I don't believe you'll quite understand the fruit of that. It'll be for generations to come. But very excited to be sharing this morning. And uh, I really want to come, come around a thought that God has been impressing on my heart for maybe probably four or five months now. And I've been on a journey myself. And so so with everything I say, it's not going to be me pointing the finger saying, do better, I've got it all nailed, but it's more God's been giving me a revelation that I've had to repent and ask for forgiveness for in some areas where I've become complacent in my faith and has just stepped back from the work that God's called me to as a follower of Him. 
And so, so my heart today is not actually to give everyone answers, but it's actually hopefully to just put a righteous fire on the inside of you that you would go out of this place and you would get a conviction in your own heart. Because here's the thing, if all you do is live off the person's conviction or revelation on a stage, then as quickly as it came in one ear, when life becomes life on a Tuesday, it will leave as quickly as it entered. But if you can get on the inside of you a conviction about who God is and what his heart is for this region, it does not matter what would come against you, but you will be anchored on his truth and his promises. And so I'm very honored and excited to share today. And I do have a big heart for the local church, and I believe uh, in the importance and the vitality of the local church in the region with which it's in. God's been kind of taking me on a journey of, of what the local church is to a greater degree and, and understanding that. And, and I just refuse anymore to, dis, to succumb to the cultural idea of our day and age that the church is just an ancient regime that should exist on the sideline of a society. But I believe the church should be in the center of the region it's in, speaking truth, giving life, offering healing and freedom in Jesus. In fact, I'm believing that through faith and prayer that we as a local church, as Elevation right across Australia, but also the church in general, are entering into a season of new anointing and outpouring like we've never seen before. Not in a program, not in a building, but over a people who would carry a message every place that they go. Who would wake up, rise up and speak truth and live a life that is resembled of Jesus and share the message of hope and salvation that is found in Him. That just like the Apostle Paul, we would truly be able to say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for all who would believe. Not those who sit next to me on a Sunday and smell like me, talk like me, know how to act like me, but for every single person across Mandurah who would believe in Jesus, I'm not ashamed of that gospel. And we need families who are on fire with the things of God. We need sons and daughters who would passionately seek the anointing. We need mothers and fathers who are putting their hand up again to be obedient to the call of God. And we need spiritual grandparents who understand the urgent hour we are in, who would not stay absent, but would stay planted and invested and would pray and would be involved in the local church. Come on, the time is now. And sometimes, though, we need to be in in a challenged before we can be encouraged. And I just feel a real sense of expectancy for our future, for the next season. And today, I really do believe the message that I'm going to share is one that would hopefully uh, bring a harvest across this year and beyond and help us to, to take following Jesus to a greater degree. And before I jump into it, because I can get carried away very easily and <laughs> go on tangents, uh, if you don't know me, my name is Isaac. Uh, I do get the great honour to be the distant cousin of Elevation Mandurah. <laughs> and so I'm kind of the person who comes at Christmas and you're like, we really have to invite them? And yeah, here I am. And I've uh, been on the Gold Coast now for a couple of years and my wife and I have been married for four years now. Just had our first baby girl, Nora, uh, in July last year. And so had the best, most different Christmas I've ever experienced in my life. Only in the last two weeks she started sleeping longer than an hour at night. And so youth camp was just my bread and butter. I could dance all night long and it was just blocked and didn't hear a thing. But uh, also a big rugby league fan. Love the Brisbane Broncos. Believing this year is the year for us to advance. That's my word. And uh, just like the Israelites were God's chosen people, the Broncos are God's chosen team. And uh, also interceding that WA would get an NRL team. 
that then when I come over, we can go watch it and I can also rub in the victory that Brisbane will get over you guys, right? <laughs> but uh, hey, I've titled today's message, uh, The Cost of Your Christianity. The Cost of Your Christianity. We're going to be reading from Matthew 9, starting verse 35, just a couple of verses. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't know about you, but definitely sounds a little bit like the day and age we live in. Jump on TikTok if you don't believe me. (laughs) Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into His harvest. This right from the beginning, there's an observation I have is Jesus looks out at the world around Him and He makes this observation. He says, they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. But I love when Jesus makes this observation, He doesn't then go, so what are we going to do, boys? We're going to pray to God. God, would you fix them? God, would you change them? God, we're going to sit here in our comfortability, but would you meet them and fix them and bring them to us when they look like us and they sound like us? He doesn't say that. He makes an observation about the world around Him and He looks straight into the eyes of His followers and He says, all right, boys, we need to pray to the Lord of the harvest that He would send out workers because the, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, they're few. So just from the very beginning, we're going to camp around this thought of what it means to be a worker to reach God's harvest. And hopefully God's going to put inside of you some passion that you may go away and stoke that fire in your own time. And hey, if you don't agree with something I've said, that's cool. You can email Marty or Rachel on Monday. And <laughs> but hey, here's my heart. If there's something that you don't agree with or you don't quite get, I don't want you to go away and not facilitate a conversation around that. I want you to talk to people, go to God, read the Word, open up your Bible, pray. Why? Because my heart is you would get a conviction in your own heart and soul about God's Word and what He says around this topic. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You right now for these moments that this would not just be intellectual, it would not just be academic, it would not just be a good 25, 30 minutes, but that Your Spirit truly would be moving as You already have this morning. And so God, I pray that as Your Word goes out, It would not be Isaac's thoughts, but it would be heaven's truth. And God, would you humble me to be a servant and a mouthpiece for you? Hold my tongue when it needs to be held and help me speak into things when things need to be said. Right now, every power or principality that would raise itself up against the knowledge of you, Jesus, I ask that you take that away and that there is both a clarity and a receptiveness to hear from heaven this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Well, I'm going to go back and at Youth Camp, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but we're going to talk about something different. I want to go back to my honeymoon for just a moment. And don't worry, I will keep it G-rated. Did keep it G-rated at Youth Camp as well. But I want to go back to my honeymoon uh, for a moment. And my wife and I would have heard this at Youth Camp, but my wife is Northern Irish, okay? So she came over here when she was 14. The accent just got me. From the very moment I heard it, I was like, I'm marrying her. Uh, Little did we know I was in grade 12. She was a youth leader, so I couldn't quite act upon that uh, until later on, but that's fine. And <laughs> Anyway, so she's from Northern Ireland. She came over here when she was 14 years old. And, 
and we met in church, and when we got married, we decided, you know what, we don't really want to go overseas, but the, the sad tragedy of a lot of it is I think sometimes when you grow up in Australia, you get so familiar, you don't really journey around and see the sights of our country, right? And so, so we decided, you know what we're going to do is we're going to fly to Melbourne. I'm sorry we didn't pick WA. She'd actually already been here. This was the first place she landed when she came over, and so, so that was pretty cool. And uh, so we decided to go to Melbourne and hire a car and just drive around, see the sights, do the stuff, you know? And so, uh, so we landed and we got it. One of the places we went to visit was Dandenong Ranges. Now, it's a mountain thing and a nature thing. As you heard before, I'm not a nature guy. I way prefer to be found in a shopping center uh, at a cafe. But my wife loves nature. For me, if you've seen a picture of a mountain, you've seen them all. You've seen a blade of grass, you've seen them all. You've seen a tree, you've seen them all. And so I'm quite content to just watch National Geographic and, and be happy there. But, but there was this place we found that was a lookout, right? And apparently it gave you these amazing views over the ranges. And so Sophie was like, let's go do it. And with my 36 hours of husband experience, I knew. I had to put my needs to the side and serve my wife and that lasted another week <laughs> before it was all about me again and, and anyway so, so we're driving there and we're following maps and we're going up to this lookout and uh, you know when you get to something sometimes and it's kind of a bit like uh, you go there and then you, you're in too deep you can't get out it's like maybe if you're going through a drive through and you're kind of umming and ahhing you go into the drive through and then you're like no 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 I actually don't want this but cars have already come behind you and it's like you're stuck and you just got to go through with it and so we're driving up to this lookout and, uh, and as we get there we notice there's a boom gate that's over with like a booth like a, a ticket booth whatever and and I was like, this is a little bit weird, like, uh, what's happening? And as we get closer, we've noticed you actually have to pay to get in to this lookout. Now, 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 now here's my thing. How good is humans that we charge for something we didn't even create? Like, if there's a way to find money, we will find that. Uh, I'm just used to walking into a park and looking at things for free, but no, apparently in Victoria, you have to pay for it. And so we're like, oh man, I didn't know that there was a cost attached to this, so we might just go around, but we're in too deep. And so I think it was like $15 or $20 a person to go look at this mountain. And so anyway, we get there, and, and Sophie's having a great time. She's taking photos and all that. And the funny thing is, it was around Easter when we got married, and so it was public holiday time, so nothing was open. We got up there and we're like, oh, well, that restaurant you could probably eat at when it's not a public holiday, it might be open. That gift shop, well, I'm sure you could go in there and buy stuff if, you, if it was open. And, oh, there's a cool little flower farm, probably have to pay another fee to get to that, but I'm sure that that would be open too. And so we get there, look around and take the photos, go home, and, uh, and it was amazing. And, and uh, we continued our honeymoon. But uh, have you ever been in a situation where you were unaware of the cost attached to something? I'm sure we've all been there in that situation where that has been the case and you are unaware, but you're confronted with the reality that in order to engage in an activity or in an experience, there is a cost attached to it. So what normally happens is you're left shocked because you are unaware and you say things like, well, I didn't sign up for this, I want out. Right? That was my mentality as we stood up to this lookout. I did not know I had to pay for this, so I, I don't want to do that. I'm out, I didn't sign up for this. Friend, can I suggest that in modern Christianity and the church in 2023, especially in the Western world and the Western church, we have come to the same place whereby we think there is no cost attached to our Christianity. We buy into the idea that following Jesus is just an add-on to our already exciting, comfortable and enjoyable lives. But let me tell you, there is a cost to your Christianity because your faith is worth something. 
There is a cost to following Jesus because your faith has value and is worth something. See, in the age of convenience, we have lost the truth that life with Jesus is indeed, in fact, costly. That living a life with Jesus will cost you something. That standing for truth will cost you something. And let me tell you, following Jesus is not just a free pass to exist on this planet so that you feel safe when you die, you'll go to heaven. But the reality of following Jesus and the cost of following Him is that we see heaven, but we grab that and we establish and advance that in the region and the place that we stand. So what happens is if we don't understand the cost of Christianity and following Jesus is we become consumer Christians. Which is to say, we'll feel called as long as it fits my schedule and my life. We feel led as long as it doesn't mean I have to do or say something that's unpopular. And we're a part of a church as long as they do everything exactly as I want or as how I would like it. So we start saying things like this, well, the church is here to serve me. Jesus is here to serve me. What can the church do for me? What can Jesus do for me? How can Jesus make my life better? How can I begin to look better by following Jesus? How can He make me feel good and be better? And suddenly God's kingdom begins to look a lot like the world's and we become the gravitational pull with which Jesus and the church move around. See, called Christians will understand that discipleship will contain inconvenience. But consumer Christians will fear that discipleship will compromise their comfort. And so they opt out of a life of transformation that Jesus offers them. So we need to understand consumerism is a disease that has crept into the modern church and it is robbing God's people of the life that He has offered and invited them into. So we have believers who will spend more time on a screen than they will in the Scriptures. We have believers who will be more excited at a sporting game than they will in a church service. We have believers who are more vocal about their opinions on politics than they are about their own belief in Jesus. We have believers who are more concerned with whether the music's too loud or too soft or whether the preacher is too loud or too soft than the fact that every day the work colleagues they're passing are going to hell. We have believers who are more interested in what's trending than what God says is truth. We have believers who complain about a lack of church growth but have never invited someone or shared their faith before. We have believers who are more invested in and adherent to government policies during a pandemic than they are to living what Scripture commands. We have believers who give more to Netflix and Disney Plus than they do to their own church. And we have believers who are more vocal and publicly open with their views on the climate than they are with their Christ. We are seeing a generation who think the church and Jesus exists for them and their life and their convenience and it's building a consumeristic Christianity that does not understand the cost. See friend, you are not called by Jesus to be a consumer, but you are called to make a difference to bring heaven down to earth, to see this city transformed by the message of the gospel that people would come home to Christ. I mean, I hear this notion, maybe not true here, right? But in the Gold Coast, this is definitely true. So just if this isn't relevant, that's fine. But we have this notion, right, called church shopping. <laughs> have you heard of church shopping before? 
It's like this notion where people will go around and they will church shop to find a church that is perfect for them. So they go, I want the music to be like this. I want the preacher to be like this. Make sure he doesn't talk about these things because I don't want him to talk about that or her to talk about that. But, but a preacher has to do this. The kids program has to look just like this. Their youth ministry has to look like this. I want them to have life groups and missions, but I don't really want them to push it too hard because I don't want to actually do it, but I want to feel like I'm a part of something. And so what happens is we don't have build a Bear, but we have built a church around what we want and what we think we need. Friends, consumerism is not the way of Jesus. And the problem is consumeristic Christianity will put you and I at the centre. And so what happens is we don't have followers who plant in a church, but followers who pass through tracing whatever trend or hype is moving around at the time. What does all this have to do with Matthew 9? I got no idea. I just had to get it off my chest. <laughs> So I'm just going to finish there. That's all right. <laughs> oh, dear. But see, in light of all this, what happens is we have believers who don't understand that they are called to be a worker in God's kingdom to reach the harvest. Why? Because they're so caught up on thinking it's all about them and their existence. And so we don't engage in the work of the kingdom. Rather, we just partake in empty religious activity that makes us feel good when we're there. So I hear the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 9, ringing in my ears for this generation and this age with which we live, where he says, church, the harvest is plentiful, but the result of the harvest not being reached is not because of them. It's because of Christians who don't understand the work attached to living in the kingdom of God. I love the book of Matthew and how he reveals and explains life in the kingdom of God. Did you know that in fact, the notion of king and kingdom is a core message and theme in Matthew's Gospel. The Kingdom of Heaven is mentioned 33 times and the Kingdom of God is mentioned five times. Matthew is trying to explain to us through his retelling of the life of Jesus what it is to operate in the Kingdom of God as a follower of Jesus. And friend, Jesus speaks right into the midst of current consumeristic Christianity and he says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Apparently he's a big deal. <laughs> uh, that one always gets me. Pretenders were many, but real laborers in the harvest were few. Man-made ministers are useless. Still are the fields encumbered with gentlemen who cannot use the sickle. Still the real ingatherers are few and far between. And I love this question. Where are the instructive, soul-winning ministries? Where are the followers of Jesus who will contend for a region again, who will not be content to sit back and watch the world idly pass them by while they're on their way to a place that's separated from God called hell? Where are the people who will stand up and say, now is the time that I will be a worker to reach the harvest of Mandurah that God has called me to? Do you believe that the harvest in this city is plenty? Do you believe that the harvest in Mandra is plenty? The harvest is ready, but the workers are full. A few. This is not about a church growth strategy, but this is about a life following Jesus. This is not about serving more in the church because the reality is ministry happens more often out there than it does in here. This is about being an, an active follower of Jesus who understands the cost of what it is to follow Him. So, so what happens is we 
in modern Christianity have created active church goers and absent Christians on Monday who rock up and do the thing but then go home as if nothing ever happened and live their life exactly the way that everyone else does. And friend, we can no longer think Jesus on Sunday while we think like the world on Monday. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. I mean, you've got to catch the heart of God for this city. You've got to catch the heart of God for this region. You've got to catch the heart of God for your workplace. Because whilst we exist in a building and never go out and make a difference, there are people passing us by who are broken, who are hurting, who are cut off from Jesus and never experience the life that he has invited in for them. See, church is not the standard in following Jesus. It's simply the starting point. See, church is not the ceiling that should cap you, but it should be the floor that will propel you so that when you go out in the week, you get to go into the harvest and then you get to meet with people, bring them back and you get to be pumped up, amped up to go out again into the harvest as a worker to bring more people back home to the family of God. But we think the church exists for us. But friend, let me tell you, you are the church and the church is on mission called to go into the world, not just to occupy a pew for an hour and a half on a Sunday. Their harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Watch consumer prayers will always center around people coming to us. Whereas Jesus in Matthew 9 looks to his followers and said, no, 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 pray to God that there would be workers sent out into his harvest. Consumer Christians don't reach the harvest, they resent the harvest because what happens is people come into this space and they look different, they sound different, they don't understand the etiquette, they might sit in your chair because they don't know any better and so we get jaded and, and, and offended and we buy into this idea that it's all about us but called Christians understand that they need to reach the harvest, that it's plenty, that it's ready, that it's ripe. And you know, the sad thing is I see a lot of Christians who spend all of their energy and time just throwing stones at other workers who just complain about other churches, who just complain about other Christians, or how dare they think they should do that? Do they not know they have to get this, this, this? They have to go through this course. They have to give this amount of money. And we throw so much stone at other workers instead of picking up a shovel, shovel ourselves and getting in the trenches and building and reaching the city that we're called to reach. Listen, as long as we're more concerned about poking holes at other Christians, a hurting, dying, broken world is passing us by. And friend, the time to step into the harvest is now. See, my heart is not to build the church because Jesus is doing a good enough job of that as it is. My heart is to equip the church to be the church everywhere that they go. That's why Jesus says the workers are few, but the harvest is plenty. It's time to leave consumerism in the past and step into the calling that God has over each and every one of us to live a life devoted to Jesus, sold out for his kingdom and his cause. And I wholeheartedly believe that in this year, the harvest is ready and is ripe, that when darkness gets darker and when brokenness gets more broken, when the enemy seems to run rampant, that is not the time for the church to retreat, but it is the perfect time for the church to step in with a message of freedom, of hope and of salvation to be a worker in reaching God's harvest. The reality is life in the kingdom involves a lot more working than it does whinging and wishing for our own self-comfort. Self we spend less time working, which means we don't ever reach the harvest God's called us to reach and as an inheritance he's given to us. And I'll finish with this so we can all stand if you, if you want.
So this is a prayer that we all must pray.